Welcome to the Four Teachers Podcast. I'm your host, James Meston. Today on the podcast, we're going to be featuring an episode which is part of a fantastic series, all of which will be available on this channel, all to do with STEM, which Catholic Education Essay and EduChange produced last year. Uh, first, just quickly, if you do enjoy these episodes and want to hear more stories about what's happening across Catholic education in SA, I think you'll really enjoy the School Life podcast, all about what's happening in our schools from the students' perspective. I'll put a link to that channel in our show notes. Okay, add over. Here's the episode. It's an area that brings together so many different disciplines. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer, um, but we work very closely with well, all aspects of engineering, but from software, from chemistry, nanotechnology. Um, we work with uh, people from all of the different kind of clinical and health sciences. We work with psychologists. We work with paramedics. <laughs> you know, we work with a, a really wide variety of, of disciplines, which to my mind is what makes it so exciting as well. And we get everybody's viewpoint, um, all trying to solve a common problem, but all bringing different um, aspects into solving that problem. STEM education is undoubtedly a hot topic in education systems worldwide. In this Catholic Education South Australia STEM podcast, we talk to leaders in science, technology, engineering and maths about the value of STEM learning and the future of STEM careers. These are the stories of STEM in South Australia. Professor Karen Reynolds is the Dean of the College of Science and Engineering and the Director of the Medical Device Research Institute at Flinders University. She's also the director of the Medical Device Partnering Program, an award-winning program which she established in 2008 at Flinders University with the aim of forming links between industry, researchers and health professionals. After training as a physicist at Oxford University, Karen is now a biomedical engineer and is a leader in the field, having been awarded the Women in Innovation Award for Engineering in 2016, the David Dewhurst Award for Contributions to Biomedical Engineering in 2016, and being named in the top 100 most influential engineers in Australia in 2012, 13 and 15. Karen is an amazing role model for women and girls in STEM and has made huge contributions to medical sciences through her work in redesigning health. I'm Maddie Scott-Jones, Chief Operating Officer at Education Changemakers, and we are thrilled to have partnered with Catholic Education South Australia to produce this STEM podcast. Today, I am so looking forward to my conversation with Karen about the E in STEM and her work in the biomedical field. Welcome to this Catholic Education South Australia podcast, Karen. Thank you. I'm pleasure to be here. Awesome. You work in a cutting-edge field, and I'm really interested in understanding what the emerging trends are in biomedical engineering that are exciting you at the moment. Well, biomedical engineering um, is, I guess, a, a really it's a growing field. Um, and just to explain what it is, uh, it's where uh, medicine and engineering combine. So it's looking at um, the, I guess, the sort of the problem solving and technology side relating to engineering, but then applying it into health and into medicine. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's massive changes going on. People are living longer than ever. Uh, and we need to keep up to, to come up with some technological solutions to try and keep people healthy, to try and keep them as, at home as long as we can and to keep them out of hospital. So um, with the fact that there's more and more people there, we need to come up with some new solutions so that uh, we can, uh, instead of concentrating as we have done on the past, where 
biomedical engineering has sort of developed devices that effectively are used to diagnose and treat people once they're sick. Um, what we're looking at now in biomedical engineering is to say, um, can we try and keep people healthy and can we try and keep people out of hospital? So from that perspective, I guess I'm saying there's a move to away from kind of more hospital-based medical technologies through to home-based technologies. So home-based monitoring. And, and you're probably already familiar with things like being able to um, monitor things using your, your phone or your Apple Watch. You can perhaps monitor your heart rate um, or your sleep using these kind of technologies. Um, and those are, I guess, very sort of low-level kind of um, uh, examples of really biomedical engineering being used in the home. And what we are trying to do is to, you know, get more complex examples of where we can do home-based monitoring or home-based kind of diagnostics. Um, can we take some of the rehabilitation or perhaps the kind of physiotherapy that you might traditionally have done in the clinic or in the hospital and take it back to the home? So people can stay at home and use um, new technologies that will help them rehabilitate from, from injury or from sickness. Could you give um, us some examples of those specific technologies? Like what sort of things, what does this look like? So I guess from the, the rehabilitation um, angle, I can give you an example, in fact, of a technology that we are working with a, a company on at the moment. Uh, and this is really a technology to help somebody who's had a um, a knee injury or perhaps a knee replacement and that for their physiotherapy they need to do a number of exercises uh, and you know a lot of those exercises can be done in the home but um, in order to actually um, provide the person who's doing those exercises a little bit more feedback as, as to how well they're doing them you know are they doing them how well are they doing them how much good is it doing for them and then to provide that feedback firstly to the patient but also directly back to the the physiotherapist or the doctor so um, we've been working with a, a local company who's developing a, a what looks like a bit like a roller skate um, and the idea of that is that you can put your foot in it and it, it allows you to much more easily do your knee exercises. But the, the part of the project that we've been looking at is developing some sensors that then sense the movements, um, sense um, how much the patient is able to move, um, provide some feedback on the patterns of movement and provide that feedback also directly back, back to the clinic so that the physio can know whether they're following their rehabilitation program effectively and um, whether it needs to be changed to get better outcomes for the patient. So this sort of colliding of technological developments with the field of biomedical engineering is um, makes it quite um, cutting edge and, um, and quite exciting, I imagine, to be working in. One of the students I interviewed is really keen to become a physiotherapist and is interested in the technological developments in prosthetics. Let's take a listen to Alicia from Thomas More in Year 11. So personally, um, the question that bugs me most would be um, would it take as long to rehabilitate someone on a prosthetic that a biomedical engineer would be creating now versus a few years ago so obviously that would decrease the time of maybe someone trying to learn how to use their prosthetic as it's been updated and upgraded by so much and would my help be needed maybe in the next 50 years or next 20 years or something like that. 
So I'm interested, how are advances in technology helping people and will people like occupational therapists and physiotherapists be needed in the future? So, and that's, that's a really good question. Um, I think the answer is absolutely and definitely yes. I think the, the role of the physiotherapist or the, uh, the therapist in other um, uh, instances will change somewhat um, because of the role that technology can play. So the technology is never going to replace um, the kind of hands-on and um, personal involvement that um, a therapist can deliver. What it can do is it can provide information back to the physiotherapist who can then um, use that to uh, better inform the therapy. So from that perspective, to go back to the first part of the question, the, um, the, the whole therapy program may be more efficient and better and potentially you know, therapy and um, rehabilitation may be quicker. It may be better certainly it can be used to learn and so this is another area that's you know a huge excitement at the moment in the kind of biomedical engineering space is the ability for technology to learn um, so the artificial intelligence and machine learning aspects of um, of sort of future technologies where a device or a technology can look at patterns of behavior um, that have occurred previously and then use that information to inform the, the next part of the decision process. So it may learn from a previous patient or it may learn from the same patient that when certain things happen, we get particular outcomes. So then um, we want to either repeat that kind of um, pattern of behavior or we want to be able to adapt it and change it. So it's this kind of um, learning behavior that from technology that also provides additional insight to the, the the therapist or the you know the treating doctor. So you know I think I, I certainly think that that the, the doctors, the clinicians, the physiotherapists, and um, the nurses will never be replaced. They play a really really vital role. What we as biomedical engineers are trying to do is to make sure that the technology provides additional information, additional support, and the ability to know and learn more about um, particular diseases, conditions, treatments, and outcomes that can then further inform the future treatment. Another thing that sort of resonated with students is the desire to move down a STEM pathway because they're passionate about using it as a lever for social change. Mm -hmm. So, um, a, you know, vehicle through which they can make a difference in the world. Um, this is a student from St Michael's. I think I'm most excited about how I will end up applying my STEM knowledge in the real world and where it will take me and how I can help the world like build itself and become better in the future. Mm. I'm wondering if um, that sort of lever for change um, is a way that you view your own work and, and how you would describe your impact on the world through, um, through your research in this space. Yeah, and um, that's, again, it's a really good question and it's something that resonates very strongly with me. I mean, I know when I was um, kind of at, at high school and, and trying to think what I might do for my career, um, I was very interested in health and medicine um, and I kind of toyed with the idea of becoming a doctor but it didn't feel quite right for me um, and when I learned about the field of biomedical engineering I thought 
actually, this is a way that I can contribute to health and I can contribute to medicine. I can contribute to the lives of patients and, and you know, try and assist doctors without being that doctor. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's a real big driver for me is the fact that the, the field that I work in has a direct impact on the lives of patients and it has a direct impact on the way doctors and other um, people in the clinical community go about their, their work. So I really feel that there are um, opportunities for people who, who want to you know, make a difference to the world and particularly obviously in, in this area on people's health um, to do that without necessarily kind of going down the route of, of, of kind of direct um, involvement in, in medicine or, or, or um, you know, those kind of um, clinical careers. Mm. Um, and, you know, nanotechnology has a huge relevance in the kind of space where I work, where, you know, we're looking at new ways of um, sensing. So looking at little nanosensors, biosensors, um, new kind of chemistry uh, analysis. And I can give you an example. Uh, we are currently working on developing a, a biosensor, which uses um, some fairly new and unique um, chemical sensing methods to be able to put these into or uh, alongside a mobile phone technology. And so we use um, that mobile phone platform along with this new biosensor to be able to monitor particular health conditions in the home. So that's bringing in the kind of chemistry nanotechnology. Um, it also ties into um, new materials in the body. So you may develop a new implant, for example, um, and you need the implant to have specific material properties to make sure that it um, uh, works in that particular part of the body that it's designed to work in. And it may need, for example, to have specific anti wear properties, anti-corrosion type properties. So materials, when they're put into a biological environment and particularly into the body, have to have some fairly specific properties. And so we need that kind of chemistry, nanotechnology, nanomaterial type expertise to be able to develop some of those, those new sensing and material um, uh, aspects to these devices. It, it sounds like it is quite genuinely STEM in action. Um, you know, you'd be leaning on on all aspects of STEM there in order to um, to put those things into the body and, and to mm. get them working, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an area that brings together so many different disciplines. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer, um, but we work very closely with, um, you know, people from uh, well, all aspects of engineering, but from software, from chemistry, nanotechnology. Um, we work with uh, people from all of the different kind of clinical and health sciences. We work with psychologists. We work with paramedics. <laughs> you know, we work with a, a really wide variety of, of disciplines, which to my mind is what makes it so exciting as well. And we get everybody's viewpoint, um, all trying to solve a common problem, but all bringing 
different um, aspects into solving that problem. That's a really nice segue into my next question, which is around um, the skills that you're looking for in people in the workforce. Um, the general capabilities are increasingly becoming an important part of the Australian curriculum. And these are sort of the knowledge and skills and behaviours that young people need to be in successful in life and in work in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're things like uh, literacy and numeracy, which cover all curriculum areas. Um, it's ethical capabilities intercultural understanding critical thinking Mm. I'm I'm interested in what skills you see as being most important for people entering fields like yours Um, well I think you know the the list you've just read out uh, are all absolutely vital Um, and I think I guess expanding on where I um, was with the previous question is that whole idea of being able to uh, work across different disciplines and different skill sets and not only to be able to to work across them, but to be able to understand other people's perspectives and and insights. So, you know, to give you an example of that, you know, I might work on a project where I have a a doctor, let's just say um, an anaesthetist, for example, who comes in, um, then there's myself as an engineer, and then we might need to bring in an industry partner so somebody who who makes devices a manufacturer we might need to bring in some people with commercialization expertise we might need to bring in a software expert and we all need to be able to talk about the same project and we need to be able to understand what each other is saying so we all speak slightly different languages and obviously I don't mean languages in terms of you know English or French or so on and so forth but we all use different terminology um, and we we come at things from slightly different perspectives and we need to be able to understand each other if ever we're going to make a project work so that ability to to listen and to interpret to a great extent and then to understand other people who have different experiences and different skill sets is I think vital and that's a big key to being able to work together and to to collaborate and I guess part of that is the ability, as I said, to to listen and the ability to ask questions, the the ability to uh, think slightly outside the square, to be curious, to um, be prepared to move away from the direction you were perhaps first heading. So some flexibility and adaptability. But, you know, it's open mindedness um, and the ability to, to, I guess, understand the bigger picture and other areas and other people's um, input and insight into things, which is really important in this particular space. One of the things that, again, resonates loud and clear for many many students is the value of workplace experiences. You don't just sit in like an office and just do work all day. You go out into your field, you do research, then you come back, you try to work on the problem and then you solve it. So. In our school life, we don't exactly get to see that around school or at home or anywhere. So I would personally want to practically go with the person, preferably, and then see what they do, how they solve the problem, and how they deal with like any issues that come about. Yeah. I'm interested in understanding if you have any insights for students into how to access these experiences um, so that they can better understand what the world beyond school looks like. I don't know that I have a a sort of secret um, uh, answer to that. I mean, I think the obvious answer really is uh, you need to approach people. And if you're interested in something is make contact with someone in that 
um, whether it's a department, a company, a hospital, a university, you know, just reach out. And you, some people will probably ignore you, unfortunately. Um, but if, if there's things that you're interested in, reach out. Talk to people. Talk to, to friends. Talk to family. Talk to people directly and say, look, I'm really, really interested in this area. Is there an opportunity for, for me to come and just spend a little bit of time with you or just even just to talk to you in a conversation? Because if you can get that conversation happening, then there might be some follow-up where you could say, oh, that, that sounds absolutely fabulous. Could I perhaps come and spend a day with you? I, as I said, I can't give you the kind of the, the, the magic bullet that will say this will definitely get your work experience placement. But, you know, unless you reach out and make it known that you're interested to come and um, spend some time somewhere, I guess it won't happen. Um, but, you know, for example, here at, at Flinders, um, we regularly take high school students um, to come and, you know, spend a short period of time with us uh, and we'll introduce them to, to things that are going on. We'll um, we'll show them some of the projects, potentially even let them uh, have a have a play with things. Um, and there are any number of other organisations and institutions that I know will do the same. But um, yeah, just just reach out and, and you know send emails to people, um, go and ring people, knock on the door, make yourself and make a nuisance of yourself. But but uh, you know let people know that you're interested, and you know you never know what might happen. For my last question, Karen, I'm interested mm. in if you could go back and give young Karen some advice or even huh. younger Karen some advice as you kicked off your own career in STEM, what advice would you would you give yourself? Um, I, I read an interview um, with you recently and you talked about the importance of finding things that you love and chasing those dreams. Mm. And you say with hard work and, ed- and dedication, you can achieve success and make a difference. Um, mm. But it takes real courage to put that, that hard work and dedication into chasing those dreams I'm interested in what advice you'd give yourself as you sort of left school if you were to go back and do that again probably that's sort of what I've said previously is probably what I would say to myself um, is you know if there's something that really interests you um, and there's something that you're passionate about it then go for it you know chase it no one else will chase it for you um, and you never know what you might manage to achieve. Don't write something off. If it's something you really want to do, something you're really passionate about it, just go for it. Find a way to get there. Talk to Again, talk to people. Talk to as many people as you can um, because they may well say, oh, I know somebody who does that or I know a way for you to sort of go around something and, and find a way into this particular opportunity. So um, the more people you talk to, the more people, people that you let know about what you're trying to achieve and your passion, the more likely you are to actually fulfill it. Thank you so much for your time today, Karen. That's my pleasure, Maddie. Thanks for listening to another podcast from Catholic Education South Australia. For more information about our organisation, check out our website at cesa.catholic.edu.au.